0: Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gamble's Terrace, Antigua. Last week in our study of the Book of Romans, Pastor Murphy began to show us a third reason that Paul gives for not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we'll continue that study on how God reveals his righteousness in the gospel. What does Paul mean? when Paul talks about the
1: righteousness of God in this particular passage. Now, let me just be very, very clear. If you don't understand this, you are not in the kingdom of God. I want to make that very, very clear to you. This is crucial. If you don't understand what this means, if you sit there tonight and say, Pastor, I have a clue what you're talking about. I want to say to you, you're not a Christian. I make no apology for saying that. Absolutely no apology for saying that. Because it is this understanding of this truth, grasping this truth, believing this truth, embracing this truth, appropriating this truth, that makes a man a Christian. I don't know if you know that or not. Now this is one of the key expressions you'll find. As a matter of fact, I think it's the key to the entire book of Romans. This truth about the righteousness of God. Can I go another saying? I think it's the key to understanding all of the Pauline epistles. That we have got what is called an imputed righteousness put to our account. All of Paul's epistles, you cannot comprehend and understand the Pauline epistles until you understand this concept of the righteousness of God being provided for us. So it's very, very crucial that we come to grasp what Paul is saying here. Now, I want to remind you that it was not until the Great Protestant Reformation. And the great Martin Luther, it was not until Martin Luther finally understood this truth and believed it that Martha uh, uh, that he actually became a true Christian. Remember that Luther was a Catholic, he was a priest of the Catholic Church. he went into the monastery. Remember also that Luther was a theologian that Luther taught in one of the Main universities in, in in Germany. And Luther thought theology. But he wasn't saved. Remember that. Remember that the whole life of Martin Luther. Is about how can he get right with God. How can he get right with God. And he tried everything. He tried penance. He tried fasting. He, as a matter of fact. Luther would go in, the, in. in When the storm came. Luther would go in the storm. And Just get soaked with the rain and wanted God to somehow send some lightning and and do something. He was that mad to get to know God. But you know what stopped Luther from entering the kingdom for so long? This one verse. He could not understand what it means that in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. I wouldn't say he could not understand how he interpreted that verse. Kept blocking Luther's way and I'll explain to you what happened. So I can say to you here, if you are Protestant, if you are Baptist, if you are whatever, if you are part of the Protestant Reformation, let me just say to you, <laughs> it's this verse that brought about the Protestant Reformation. This verse we are talking about here. This is the key verse to the Protestant Reformation. It is such a crucial verse. And that's why we need to grasp and understand what Paul is saying here. So I don't think there's any verse more vital in the scriptures for us who claim to be Protestants than this verse which talk about. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, what does it mean And Paul talks about the righteousness of God revealed here in the gospel? I want to start with a negative. First of all, Paul does not mean, when he talks about the righteousness of God revealed, Paul is not saying that in the gospel, the attribute that God is righteous is revealed in the gospel. Now, you know that when theologians are discussing... The person of God, they normally talk about that God. And they normally put those attributes under two headings. There's one called the communicable attributes of God and the non-communicable attributes of God. One is called the moral attributes of God, one is called the non-moral attributes of God. The reason why they put it in that classification, they realize that there are attributes of God that set God apart from man. So there's some attributes that cannot be communicated to man. Those are called non-communicable. For example, his infinity. His aseity His deity See? Those are things that can never be passed on to man But God is also righteous God is love God is, is, is kind God is, is long suffering. Now those are attributes of God that are passed on to man See? That's why they classify them under those two different headings But when Paul talks about in the gospel The righteousness of God is revealed Paul is not talking about in the gospel The fact that God is righteous is revealed His His attribute of righteousness is revealed That's not what Paul is saying As a matter of fact, could I say to you that if that were true, that would be the most terrifying and intrepidating thing for us? That if in the gospel all God revealed that he's a righteous God, what would you do? (laughs) Think about that for just a moment. If in the gospel all, the death of Christ, all it means is God is showing you how righteous he is. Well, if he had to punish a perfect person to prove, what are you going to do with you? How are you going to escape? See? So it's not talking about in the gospel God reveals the fact that he is righteous. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Because if that's what was emphasized by the gospel, I want to tell you right now we better shut the church, go home, because there's no hope for you, brother, no hope for you, sister, no hope, no hope for me either. If that's what the gospel is all about. Because if God had to crucify his son Jesus because he was righteous, and that's what the gospel is emphasizing, I don't come even point one, 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 one. How many more zeros percent of what Jesus was? (laughs) So (laughs) I'm in real trouble. It's the most terrifying thing. but That's not what the Bible is saying. Now let me tell you why this is so crucial. When Luther was trying to find God. Or finding the way to have peace with God. Let me put it that way. Luther decided that he would embark on a series of studies in the book of Romans. And he would lecture a series of Romans to his students. Now remember, here's a theological student. There's a man teaching the university theology. He's trying to find... Now, can you imagine the, the anomaly of that? That I am trying to tell people God and I don't even know God? I'm teaching about God and I don't even know who God is? That was Luther's dilemma. But he couldn't tell anybody because, after all, he would lose his tenure of teaching. You're teaching theology don't even know the theology you're teaching? So what he did, he began to embark on a series of lectures in the book of Romans. And he was teaching his students, he was going through the book of Romans. And then as Luther was going through the book of Romans, he came to verse 17. Again, look at it again. Our text. For therein is the righteous God revealed from faith to faith. And Luther said, okay, the gospel reveals the righteous. But what does that mean? let me quote what Luther said. Listen to his words. And I quote. He said, I labored diligently and anxiously as to how to understand Paul's words in Romans 1.17. He said, I sought long and not anxiously for the expression, the righteousness of God revealed. But, but he said, it blocked my way. That was a verse that I couldn't get over. What does that mean? Every time I want to approach God, I'm hearing in the gospel, it's about the righteous of God. So Luther's saying, but if that is true, there's no hope for me. Because the way he interpreted that verse. You see, Luther thought that when Paul said that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, Luther thought that the highest expression of God's righteousness was when he killed his son. You see, Luther knew there was the rights of God revealing the law. And you know that. He knew he couldn't keep the law. But now, when he come to this passage saying, well, wait a minute, if I couldn't keep the law, which revealed God's righteousness, but now he kills his son to show his supreme right. Luther's saying, wow, I ain't got no hope. I ain't got no hope. I can't keep the law. I can't come up to the standard of, my, of his son. What hope is there for me? Because Luther believed the death of Christ on the cross was the supreme expression of God's righteousness. It was showing to the world how righteous God was, just like the law. But you know it's one thing to show me in the law how righteous God is, but I don't have the power to keep it. See. But now that is not enough, Luther is saying, but no, no God took his son and, and put his son in it and he still crucified his son to show his expression of righteousness. Luther said, woe is me. I can't, There's no hope for me. See? It was an interpretation of this verse. Luther said, I read that verse and it blocked the way. I wanted the way to God, but that verse blocked the way. I could not get over that verse, what that verse meant. It terrifies me. Listen to what he said once more again. And I quote. He said, as often as I read that declaration, Romans 17, I wished always... That God had never made the gospel known. Luther said, I, I wish God had never told anybody." Because if this is what the gospel is, to show me how righteous God is. Luther said, I want God not tell me because the law he showed me, I couldn't keep it. Now he's telling me what I, I need to be. I can't be like his son, but yet he slay his son. So I wish there was no gospel. It was a barrier to Luther. And then he put it this way. He said, I saw in the gospel this fuller revelation of the righteousness of God, which seemed to make me utterly hopeless and helpless. And I did not know what to do with myself. The righteousness of God blocked my way. Now, when you come to this passage, you misinterpret like Luther. You're left. You're left with nowhere to go. There's nowhere to turn to if that's your interpretation. But what does Paul mean? And when did the light come on in Luther's head that he fully understood what that meant? Now, let me ask another question before we talk about what that really means. Let me ask you a question What is righteousness? What is righteousness? Now, Now, think about that. Run that through your computer for just a moment. I don't mean on these cell phones, okay? But run it through your mind for just a moment. What is righteousness? Now if you don't know what righteousness is You don't know what the righteousness of God is either So I'm sorry for you If you don't know what righteousness is But what would you say is righteousness You know what righteousness is Righteousness is conformity to God's will Righteousness is being acceptable to God Righteousness is meeting God's approval See, That is what righteousness is Righteousness is being able to stand In the presence of God And He doesn't slay you In spite of the fact that he's absolutely holy. That's righteousness. So when Paul talks here about the gospel being God's righteousness being revealed. It's a tremendous truth that Paul is trying to emphasize here as far as the gospel is concerned. And I want to point out a few things and then I'll come to a close. First of all I'd like to say this to you and I want you to understand this. The gospel is as concerned about righteousness as the law was. Did you hear what I tell you? The gospel is as concerned about righteousness as the law was. I get tired of people telling me that it is so much easier living on the grace than on the law. How that could be so? Not, people tell me that all the time. On the law, brother, I didn't kill you, so I'm righteous. Sister, I didn't commit adultery with you, so I am righteous. Under grace, I didn't kill you, but I hate you. I'm a murderer now. I did sleep with you, but I had the thought about it. I'm an adulterer now. So how, how, how can under law be the easier than under grace? You tell me. The gospel requires a quality of righteousness that's different than the Old Testament. An inner righteousness. That's what it's about. A desire for righteousness. Not saying, well, you know what, I'm not going to do these ten things. I don't, I'm okay. But I'm not concerned about what I'm thinking about. No. That's why Christ said, except your righteousness exceed the scribes and the fire, you shall no wise enter the kingdom. The gospel is concerned about righteousness. And we must, listen, and that's why I tell you this, and I keep saying this, the church has created a monstrosity called the modern church today. We created it. Because we have not explained what it means when it comes to the gospel. We've given them one side. The side we've given is to believe and be saved. But we haven't explained to them what that means when you come to Christ. It means this, that you want righteousness. That's what it means. People want to get out of the hell. So they, they, they just believe. But they don't want righteousness. And they don't understand the gospel. They just don't understand. what The gospel is about righteousness. The law is about righteousness. God is righteous. And God has always been concerned about righteousness. So the cheap thing we sell to people. We are responsible for creating that mindset. So we don't tell people when you come to trust the Lord. Sir, are you willing To pursue righteousness? You want to live a righteous life? Why I have people who would come to Ford and get saved and they go back home and live in the same house with their boyfriend? Sleep with them as though nothing happened? But yet they're so jolly happy, they're saved! Save where? Tell me save where. Listen to me very carefully, and I want to be very clear for you. If you don't want righteousness, you don't want the gospel. Be very, very clear what this is about. But people don't understand that. We don't spend the time to explain. That's why going to a book like this opens people's understanding to what this thing is all about. We sell something that is so... Look, we are so lowered the standard. Now I'm not saying that God is going to save you on the basis of your right. Don't misunderstand me. You're coming to that shortly. But when God changes you, He creates in you a desire for righteousness. That's why the Bible calls it a new creation. The same way it took the power of God to create this world, the same power is required to change you. We don't hear that on television. Because if you preach on television, nobody, your your, your ratings will go down. Ratings will go down immediately. People don't want to hear that. They want to know how to be happy, how to be groovy, how to be wealthy, how to have positive thinking, positive thoughts, how to sow seed. The most greedy people are church people, avarice. See? And that is why these people could sell this kind of thing, sow seed. Can you can't imagine a man tell you, you give me a hundred dollars, you can get a thousand dollars, and you give a hundred dollars because you want thousand dollars, you greedy person. you covetous person. See? You don't belong in the church, you belong someplace else. Do you know that covetousness is idolatry? That's what the book says. So you're idolatry in the church? But look how popular this movement is. It's a bogus movement. Uh, Let me put it, it is not of God. I don't care who preaches, it is not of God. But people are afraid to make those kind of strong statements because people don't know what Christianity is anymore. Now, can I say something else to you? And I don't know how this might come across. And I don't want to misinterpret me. But do you know the gospel does not make the law valueless? Did you hear what I say? Did you know that the gospel does not make the law valueless? Let me show you something. Look at chapter 3 of Romans. And verse 31. Verse 28. Therefore we conclude... That a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And if he the God of the Jews only, or is he also the Gentile? Yea, the Gentile is also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the, the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision by, but here's the question. Do we then make void the law? Through faith? God forbid. We do what? We establish. What is Paul saying here? He said the danger of Paul preaching the gospel. Is that people will misinterpret the gospel. Let me put it this way. The law still needs to be preached. To the unsaved. Because if they don't know unrighteousness. How they can do it without the law. The law was given to show man his sin. So if we do away with the law and forget the law. How is a man going to know he's a sinner you tell me the purpose of the law is like a mirror it's to say to you young man young woman if you want to be righteous before God here are the 10 things you must do go down the list now when a man understands that these are the same things you must do to be righteous before God you come to the point where you say if that is true there is no hope for me and then, when you see you can't do it, then the law turns you to the one who's provided the righteous that you need. That is Christ. See? But we must not think that there's no benefit of using the law. Boy, the seven day address would love to hear that one tonight. Boy, they would be leaping forever to hear that one today. But what I mean about that. It's not the letter of the law That we as Christians preach We preach the spirit of the law For example We don't tell a man You should not commit adultery We go beyond that You should not entertain The thought of idol- uh, adultery Which is far more than the law says We don't tell a man You should not murder We tell a man You should not hate So we, we, we put the standards far Than what it was under law but the reason why Paul is saying that the, what the gospel establishes the law is this. Because the law made these righteous demands and we could not keep them. The only way that righteousness could be provided for man is that someone had to pay the price. But it had to, because the law demanded. So when Christ died, he established the fact that the law is righteous. Because he died to confirm that the law was righteous. That's what Paul means. See? Did I confuse you? I hope I haven't confused you. Okay? I sincerely hope I have not confused you. So the gospel shows us... That there's a righteousness that God provides... Through the gospel. Martin Luther didn't understand that. He thought it was showing the fact that God was... Absolutely righteous by killing his son. Which is true to an extent. But that's not the teaching of there. It's the fact that in the gospel... The righteous that man needs is provided. It is called God's righteousness which comes to his son. Now the moment Martin Luther saw it, the light went on and, and Martin Luther believed, finally, Eureka have found it. And that brought about the pardon of reformation. For then for the first time, the right was no longer a barrier to him. He saw now it was a, a way to be right with God. That God in slaying his son had provided the righteousness of Christ so that the believer may now have the righteousness that he needs. It's called in the Bible what? Imputed righteousness. Could I say something here that I have to close because I'm losing your interest? For a person to be righteous, there's several things that had to be done. Number one, the penalty that is due to the law had to be paid. Okay? Had to be paid. The condemnation of the law had to be met. In addition, someone had to fulfill the entire demand of the law perfectly. Question, can you do it? Sir, I confess I can. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't. Even after a Christian, I still can't fulfill all that the law required of me. (laughs) But God said, you know what? I'm going to send my son. And he's coming as you, a man. He's going to dress up as a man. He'll become a man like, you. man sins, so I'm going to solve the problem. A lot of people say, you know, God could have solved this problem. Why did God allow it? Well, sir, if you're blaming God for starting the problem, also give him the credit for solving it. You can't blame him both ways. But the Bible makes it very clear that God solved it and God sent his son. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. Died and he took your place. He lived for you. He fulfilled the law for you. He died to pay the penalty that you deserved. In other words, what you need, the right of God, the Bible is saying now, what you need is found in Christ. So that what happens, my sir, is that when God looks on your account, guess what he sees? See, all blood, red, red, red. You're, in, you're, in, you're, in, you're in terrible. Your liability is so high, man. You can't even, where are you going to pay that debt? It's like America. $18 trillion. Listen. You will die three times. America can't pay that. 18 trillion dollars? I think I did an exercise one time. If you took a hundred dollar bills and you pack one on top, yeah, it goes to the moon and come back. I forgot how many times? For one trillion dollars. So how America can pay that? Anyhow, it's like you owe in all this debt. God said you're in the red. How are you gonna solve your problem? Now you could either come to the point of despair, I could never prepare my debt. Never repay my debt. God said, okay, sir, I know you can't pay. And the reason why I let it reach that high is because I want to prove to you you can't pay. But then you know what? i can turn around now and I'm going to put somebody who can pay your debt. That is called Christ. So what he does now, he takes the righteousness of Christ. You're in the red, you know. And he said, okay, I'll take his righteousness and I'll put it to your account. Uh, guess what you look. You don't owe anything now? Not a thing. That's the gospel. Simple gospel. You say, Pastor, to my mind, that's not complicated. It's only complicated for you as a person. Now, here's the question Well, Pastor, why would anybody do that for me? Why would anybody, after I've gone against God, rebel? By the way, how old are you? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. How much of your life up till now have you lived for God? You tell, don't, don't tell me, please. In your mind, you're 40. In your 40 years, how much of those days have you lived for God? Think about it for just a moment. No, you're older than that. You're 60. I want to ask, you, how much of those days you've lived for the Lord? You're in serious trouble here. You have a personal encounter with God someday, believe you me. You're in serious trouble. But how could it be that... I've been a rebel all of my life. Being the autonomous, independent man. Doing my own thing. And then out of nowhere, God says, you know what? I'm going to show that person favor. As a matter of fact, could I say to you? It's just not about you. It's about the whole world. God said, i give in the whole world an amnesty. My heart is so large. In spite of all they've done. They've put all the darts in my soul. They've disobeyed all my laws. Go on again. But you know what? I love what I've created. And I will save what I've created. And that's where Christ comes in. And God said, listen, I'm going to solve this problem. See? My son is coming. He's going to fulfill the law for you. He's going to provide a righteousness. It's called the righteousness of God. And what you need to do now is to believe. And when you believe, the Bible says God takes his, uh, and put it to your account. Tell it a It is finished. It's all complete. See? That's the simple gospel. It is so simple, you stumble over it so long. It's about time you grasp what this gospel is all about. See? And all that God asks of you is one thing. Would you put your faith and trust in what my son has done for you? See? That's all I'm asking you. Put your faith and trust in what Christ has done. Embrace that. And God said when that happened, that is called salvation. They that is what it's about. Yeah. How is it with you tonight? Has it ever daunted you that you need righteousness? Have you ever really sat down and looked at what this life is all about, where you're headed? What's the, you ever ask what's this gospel about? You know, what's this church about? What's, what's the Bible about? You ever ask yourself those questions? You're so married and being so busy, you don't have time to think about the really important things. See? To you, it's the new cars,' the fancy house, it is Nike shoes, it's the best perfume. To you, it's travel. to you, it's you know it's, it's that, but see where those things are just for a short period of time, sir? Every day, I get up in the mirror, I'm looking death in the face. Every single day. My time is running out. And I am very, very conscious. My time is running out. Very, very conscious of it. You know why? I do know that anybody who ever lived forever you. <laughs> I don't have anybody who lived forever you. We are just passing on. But we are going to the great beyond. And we are going to have a face-to-face encounter with God. Because what this life is about is about preparing for the next life. Yes, right. see, that's what it's about. See. It's not about grabbing how many things I can get now. Sir, you can't grab all. You can't grab all. Right. Be content with what you have. We've got responsibility. Fulfill those responsibilities. But what you want to be absolutely sure is what happens next. See. Because we're going to the great beyond. We're going to meet God. And I say to you, I don't want to hear about the thrills you got. I don't want to hear about your experiences. I don't want to be feelings. I am saying if you don't have something that you can stand in the presence of God and you not be destroyed, you have nothing. What you need is righteousness see, that God provides. And in Christ, you stand before God. And believe you me, his perfection becomes your perfection. See, and God is able to accept you and deal with you. That's the marvelous truth of the gospel. And when Luther saw that, (laughs) it was like, it was like, here's a man in darkness all, and then suddenly the light comes on in all of his glory. And you know what happened? Luther decided the world must know this. The world must know. And that's how we became Christians, by the way. Because if he kept that in a little secret to himself and never shared it with the world, we will never have the Protestants, never had the Baptists, never had the Presbyterians, never had the Lutherans. Or oh, we had the dead Catholic church with these dead people in there, like how Luther was. Going through the motions, doing the sacrament, doing the rosary and so on and so on. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. And by the way, is it not a shame that in the 21st century world, we still got people with the rosaries? Is it not a shame that we still got people bowing to Mary? You got one home? Statue somewhere in your help. Listen, go home and put a hammer to it. Mary can't help you. Mary needs help herself. She said, the Lord is my savior. See, she needed help. See. And what a sad thing today, my brother, that everybody, the whole Catholic Church is about the Mass. You can live like the devilly the hobby and go to the Mass. Because you know what? Hocus Pocus I, a priest, can change the, the, the wine into blood. And then, so when I pray, but you know, the funny thing about, when I eat it, it tastes like, it tastes like wine. <laughs> but I must not believe that. I must accept what the church tells me. By the way, if you're Catholic and you don't believe that that happens, you're not a true Catholic. You know, that's a cardinal doctrine. Now, can you believe in the 21st century world with all the Bible knowledge that we still have people going through that whole ritual? If people in blind, I don't, if there's not a devil, I don't know where he would be. People got to be blind. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe. Not. I believe that the more I live because I can't understand how any sensible educated person can believe that anything when you've got an open Bible there's one called the devil that keeps people in darkness See. when Paul was called he said you're going to open the eyes of the blind you set at liberty over captives See. what a great gospel he had and what a great treasure we have Brothering, let me say to you, let's not be ashamed of it. It is something that we should trumpet forth. We should declare. We should affirm. The man that should be ashamed is the man that has nothing to say. That intimidates us because he's loud. See? But let us be one to stand for this truth and believe this gospel. So Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And here's another reason Paul is saying. In this gospel, I find the righteousness that I need. God has revealed it is providing in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say to you, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. And I hope it has given you some real food for thought.
0: Be sure to join us again next time here on Sermons of Grace as Pastor Murphy shows us two more reasons that Paul gives for not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church, please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street, in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.